Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have a special guest, a unique type of guest to the show today, which is really extraordinary, honestly. It's it's uh, in the asset real estate category, but it's something that we should all be kind of tuning into here because it's really something different, right? Colombia is one of the world's largest coffee-producing countries in the world, right? And this gentleman that we have today actually is second in line and soon to be first in line for the largest coffee producer in the country of Colombia. So really awesome to be able to have a boss <laughs> join us today to really be able to dive into where he started out from, the process along the way. He's raised over $28 million to this point to be able to really build up this empire and be able to make sure that we're all waking up with some good coffee in us and really just blessed to be able to have him on today. Cole, how are you, my friend? Doing very good, Brandon. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you joining. So where are you tuning in from? And for anybody out there that doesn't know more about your story, do you mind just giving that 30,000 foot view? Sure, sure. So I'm tuning in from Medellin, Colombia. So this is where we headquarter our coffee operations. This project, I'll give you the project background in my background in, in just a moment. Basically, we started about four years ago, all real estate backed investors. So investors very similar to, I'm sure, to your listeners. They've supported us since the beginning. We've done about three rounds of investment. We'll be going into a Series C here, most likely in July, which will catapult us into that number one position. You know, as of today, we have about 4,000 acres, American acres of land, which puts us in the number two position. And this year, we'll be going to number one. So it's a very exciting place to be. And myself, Cole Shepard, I, I grew up, uh, you know, I was born in New York, grew up in North Carolina, you know, left the US when I was about 25. I used to work with PricewaterhouseCoopers, transitioned over to Bermuda when I was about 25, doing financial services moved into the advisory and M&A space, same firm, Pricewaterhouse with Hong Kong, started buying banks, insurance companies, asset managers, skyscrapers in Shenzhen, those kind of things. I worked between Beijing and Hong Kong for about four years and moved down to Colombia about seven years ago. since then, running my own businesses. You know, I've done real estate flips in Medellin, distressed asset plays. Uh, but nowadays we play a lot really within the coffee space, obviously with the Green Coffee Company, which is our major project here at Legacy Group. And the other thing we play majorly in is kind of the digital arts and entertainment space is where I'm tuning in from today. We have our own studios here in Medellin. And these guys are major players in, you know, the digital recording space, video game development, games for metaverse, a lot of exciting stuff. And where I'm tuning in from is called the company called Polygonus. And we're also investors in them. Mm, this, this is powerful. I didn't, I didn't know you're in that as uh, aspect and asset class as well. It's very a new and upcoming space, which is, which is pretty fun. Absolutely. I mean, we, we seed funded this company about end of 2019 and they've just blown it out. 
So I'm actually tuning in from one of the nicest office spaces. They own the whole penthouse here and one of the nicest office buildings here in Medellin. Started with three partners we seed funded in, and now they got about 100 of the most talented guys I've ever seen working in this company here. So I'm tuning in from one of about their six studios. So out of the kindness of their hearts, they set me up with their camera teams and let me do my podcast from here and make us look a little more professional. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Mm -hmm. So talk to me, when you were getting started working for that other company, obviously you started seeing, I'm sure you started getting a lot of motivation and seeing the possibilities, right? Seeing the syndication format of raising capital and securing assets, giving people strong returns, but also taking down the bigger plays that you're going after, obviously at the higher rewards. So what kind of inspiration was that? And what kind of gave you the encouragement to start doing it on your own? Sure. So when I was running M&A teams in Hong Kong, there are certain markets that people in my world didn't really care about. You know, Latin America was one of them. Kind of one of the main ethos that I always try to keep is, you know, go to where other people's are. I love that contrarian point of view, whether you're investing in real estate, early stage companies, anything. So I personally was looking to go to a more aggressive, let's say, developing market than, let's say, a developed market like Hong Kong or working out in New York or London or one of the more developed, let's say, whether it's real estate, banking, whatever. When I saw capital flows coming from Asia, you know, at the time we did a lot of work with asset managers there, basically unlimited capital. And when you talk about buying banks in Colombia or Mexico or Brazil, no one that world cares. They're just so small in the scale of things. When I came down from my brother's wedding in Cartagena, started looking at the markets, especially banking markets, mortgage rates are incredibly, incredibly high at the time, the seven years ago, still high, but just arbitrage for banks. Mm -hmm. And I saw massive opportunities, primarily in real estate, primarily what your probably audience looks after. Sure. Um, you know, all equity backed deals. So if you're going into a multifamily development project here in Medellin or in Bogota, you know, you're fund most of these guys are funding all equity deals. So you need to get a lot of return on your money to be able to take that risk reward kind of that kind of rating. So what I found was there's a tremendous amount of capital going into real estate here in Latin America. You know, yeah. leverage was very difficult to utilize on a cost-effective, on a risk-rated basis. So I started to get into distress. I bought when, what is called a Juzgado here in Medellin, which is like an auction sale here at like a courthouse. Started to get into those plays, flipped a couple deals that I thought was pretty good, but couldn't scale it to a level that I thought, that thought was really interesting. You know, what we found over the development of the asset manager legacy group, which is the logo right behind you, is that you know there's a lot of American LPs who want exposure outside of the United States. And so that's what we try to provide. You know, we provide investment products and places and companies that you couldn't get really without us, right? We bring things that things like coffee, unless you're a large commodity house or your Starbucks, you can't get into ag deals, right? Especially as an LP, you know, getting in at a hundred thousand dollar minimum buy-ins. Most private equity boys will make you come in at you know a million plus for an LP position, sure. and you don't have any say over what they're buying. You know, you put it at a million LP position into a, a standard GPLP private equity fund. You know, they're going to say they're going to invest in ag, but they have a mandate to do a pretty wide scope of acquisitions and development. You know, what we try to do is you know say this is the assets we're going to buy. This is the only company you have to invest in. Invest with us if we promote another product that we say we're invested in personally, you don't have to invest in that. 
We don't do blind pools and whatnot. Yeah. And so what we found with our American accredited audience, that's very powerful. People like knowing what they're investing in. Things like coffee, it's a very natural transition from real estate because of the collateralized nature of sure. kind of how it works. It's very similar to having, you know, you have a land asset, you have an operator, and you have cash flows that spit off as a result of that. The difference with something like ag and what we do is you have an enterprise value play. So if you're buying a multifamily building here in Columbia, very difficult to sell that in enterprise value. You're doing asset values really on that, right? You could sell an owner operator of a hotel, something like that, but it's not really the same enterprise value that you can get out of a, a holistic company. So what we've done is, you know, take our background of, of re buying real estate, obviously my partner is an ex M&A attorney and SEC attorney out of New York, huge bond issuances, huge stock issuances. And we've taken that capital raise background and the, you know, the assets and the M&A background and kind of build that into companies that we think have huge potential for returns for our investors and frankly, just really exciting businesses to be a part of here in, in a developing market. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. It's really just mind blowing because when it comes down to capital raises, and like you mentioned before, a lot of these other big companies out there, they're not going to take anything less than a million dollars plus. And, that's and right. you really, you have no say in where they're going. It's very broad. So I love the transparency that you guys offer and give people the options straight from the beginning. Like, hey, these other ventures that we might seek in the future, you don't need to go into that by any means, you know? That's right. Uh, when it comes down to that full transparency and raising capital in general, you guys have raised quite a bit so far. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm curious that the timelines of all this, when you actually leaped out on your own and started growing this company, and then the process of raising capital and members coming on and so forth. Sure. So when we started the project, actually, we already had the investors. We had a group of high net worth American, mostly US-based investors who were sure. comfortable in Colombian real estate, but they wanted an ag project, right? So we create, basically, I was in charge of creating that project for them. You know, I had a little, I, commodity trading house is kind of like a, it's a little higher end than what I was doing, but I was running my own commodity trades of fresh cut flowers. Flowers is one of the largest industries here in Colombia. And I was doing a bit of coffee trading basically on my own dime, learning how international trading works. So I had some connections in both the flower industry, in the Colombian coffee industry, and also in the cacao industry. And we looked at different projects in all three of those. What we found was coffee was more segregated, is decentralized. There was a lot of opportunity for scale plays where you consolidate farming estates, consolidate infrastructure, sell a little bit further down the value chain. And we believe the yields were there. So when we started the project, you know, what I would say is almost like a venture capital type of seed funding, but with a collateralized aspect to it. Yeah. You know, we raised 5.7 million US off the bat. You know, 5.7 for most of your guys listening, you know, that's not going to get you too much in the US. But in Colombia, you know, to put it in perspective, you know, I would say, especially land assets here in Colombia, probably buy a football fields, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think about the, that deployment, we probably bought about 600 acres on that nice. plus infrastructure plus building out management teams from scratch and you know the original play was just really it's almost like the complete real estate play of a yield-based play and you have capital appreciation on the land and the infrastructure assets and then you sell it further down the road 
But when we started getting into, I, I would say, like getting into the game and starting to understand the players in the region here in Antioquia, for guys who don't know, Medellin is the capital of Antioquia, which is equivalent of a state in Colombia. We start seeing, you know, huge problems in the market, huge gaps in the market where if you could fit in and play in a niche, you could scale this thing and make it a real enterprise. Yeah. So we kind of grew up as a real estate project that's grown into what I would say is, is going to be one of the most powerful enterprises in coffee in mm-hmm. the country. And I would say half of it is you planning ahead well, having smart guys around you. Then half of it is also kind of luck. You would never know at the beginning how kind of inefficient the system runs until you actually do it, until yeah. you actually get in there and do it. And so we have the luxury of seeing it with like fresh eyes, right? So if you ask the average Colombian investor, they've been around coffee for a hundred years. They don't think it's massively exciting, but when we come in it, from from foreigners' eyes, and we have, from our point of view, we'll say, you know, there's a lot of ways you can make these systems more efficient. And if you can do these, what I would say is not always rocket science type of things. You bring in foreign technology that's already apparent in other ag industries, bring in management talent that's best in class, you bring in capital, and you mix that together and you're baking a cake, you know, that cake is pretty valuable at the end yeah. of the day. And so we've kind of grown that up over time. And now we're at the point where it's almost like rocket ship launch kind of time. You know, now we're getting national coverage. You know, we get to, I say, rub shoulders with some of the most influential people in Colombia due to that Colombia's national product is is coffee, actually. So it's an exciting time to be part of the company. It's an exciting time. Three years when you're building up, as any any of your you know viewers would know, of building a, a development project, it's almost like we're launching the hotel that you've de- been developing the last three years now. And now's the time we can say, okay, now we can develop even more. Now we can plop in and say, I know exactly how much I can develop with $50 million more dollars. And this is what we expect to get out of it with more accurate projections for sure. I love that so much because it really comes down to the like immigrants, I wouldn't say like way of thinking or like, it's it's really just the fresh eyes, like you mentioned, because, and we see it day in and day out when people come from other countries over into America, I've never seen it in the opposite way of going to a different country, but it proves the point right then and there, because we get so complacent in our own, like what we grow up in, right? In America or other countries. And just like you said, in Colombia, they grew up in the coffee industry. It's not exciting to them. They, you know, a hundred plus years doing exactly that. It it is what it is. The fresh eyes coming from a different area and seeing as a global type of impact, what could be done and see all the loopholes or not just the flaws, right? That can be That's fixed, right. improved, and just entrepreneurship to make something bigger and better, which is awesome. Right. So I've never seen it, you know, flip the script and go into another country, but it just, it proves the fact right there that immigration, it's so, it's so damn powerful because I normally see other people from other countries come over here and start from absolutely nothing and then jump Definitely. into huge indication, multifamily or whatever it may be, and just sky's the limit. And I love that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it is about just getting out of comfort zones. A lot of your viewers, yourself, maybe even you're used to working within a certain zone of the United States. And you say, look, would I look at a deal in Canada? You know, would I look at a deal in Mexico? Would you look at a deal in Puerto Rico? You know, just getting out 
of certain zones and say, look, it's actually not rocket science to get down there. Maybe it's in another language. Maybe it's in a legal structure that you're not completely familiar with, but sure. you don't always have the same competition surrounding you as you would. If you I mean, if I was doing multifamily in New York City right now, I wouldn't even know where to begin. You know, I wouldn't even <laughs> know how to deploy that capital and get cap rates that would look reasonable. I'm going to be I'm going to be well below inflation. You could give me a billion dollars and I'll say, man, I don't know if I'm going to beat inflation right now and what's going on with some of these markets on how heated they are. So I agree with you that the immigrant mindset of how you view markets differently and getting out of your comfort zone can be, you know, you're the best in Oklahoma City. But if you come down here and you say, look, I'm the best, but I have so much competition, you might come down to Medellin and say, man, this is a gold mine. You know, that's yeah. say I you only do hospitals and say, look, they need to build two hospitals here and I'm going to kill it. I'm going to absolutely yeah. kill it because no one can compete with me. And so if you take real world, if you have a global mindset and you're coming with real world talent, like when you come into developing markets, to me, developing markets are, are the most exciting to find a niche business, especially when you're an entrepreneur with, let's say, a limited partner group and you're not a huge corporate, you know, sure. to build something from scratch. I think developing markets are by far the most exciting to work within. Yeah, no, I believe that. I love that. Talk to me. What is it going to take? I know you mentioned that you're very close this year. You're going to take territory for number one position in sure. Colombia. Was that the goal? I know it wasn't the goal originally. You know, you guys started like mm -hmm. a normal syndication with an exit plan, I'm sure, down you know, sure. a few years down the road. And then you saw these opportunities, you decided to take action on it and make it more of a empire yeah. enterprise type of thing. So mm -hmm. what is it going to take this year to get to that number one position? In reality, we only have to develop what we've already bought. So it's one of those ones I can tell all our investor group, I'm 100% sure we're going to get it because yeah. we already have the trees in our nursery and we just have sure. to put them in the ground. It doesn't actually take any more acquisitions. But, you know, our team is always looking at new exits. For instance, right now we have three group acquisitions that we're looking at in the town we operate out of. You know, we're looking at acquisition of the regions of the country. And we we're basically have our own kind of like M&A team where we're constantly looking at what's the best way to grow, both from, let's say, a physical asset perspective, like an infrastructure or land asset perspective, or it can relate to distribution channels on how do you elongate your business value chain and say, just let's say product transformation from just taking green coffee to roasted coffee and pushing it through a different channel, you know, that can massively provide, you know, significantly more profit for investors and for the business as a whole, and you can do more things. So we get to be pretty flexible with how we think about the business, with how we can push it forward. And so M&A is only one aspect of that. Yeah. Cool. This seems like a very in-depth type of organization with many different departments. Do you mind just giving like somewhat of a, a breakdown of where all these different channels are kind of divided to make sure. the system all work? Absolutely. So right now, a full-time labor for the Green Coffee Company, we got about 180 full-time employees. Management team, let's say the executive team would be make up of a CEO, CFO, COO. And basically how we structure everything is everyone who really, let's say, runs the company on a day-to-day -day basis are all Colombian nationals. So myself and my business partner, both in our world, we're gringos, we're both from upstate New York. But, you know, we do speak Spanish, we are bilingual, but, you know, we don't run the farms on a day-to-day -day basis. So our executive management team and really everyone that sits on a mid and underneath, it's very important that we're seen as a Colombian company. You know, sure. we want that national pride. We want people to be excited about where they work. 
And frankly, we want them to be excited about what we do and the future growth of the company. And I think where we have the luxury to the fact of we have a lot of sustainability initiatives that other agricultural companies don't participate in here in Colombia. You know, the ag business, especially workers, have been treated very poorly, I would say, over the history of ag. You know, people don't pay real wages. They'll pay well under minimum wage, but we're the only ag player in coffee that pay like real pensions, health and safety, like all the things that you'd expect out of American companies. We pay down here in Colombia. We're the only ones in the country that do that. And so it allows us, you know, that's setting a standard too for other companies in the future, which is awesome. I love it. Definitely. Definitely. And you have to set that standard. And one thing, you know, selfishly, whether you're thinking about impact capitalism or just capitalism in general, Coffee is one of those businesses where the end client is demanding that you do these things anyway. The world is more transparent anyway. Not only do I want to be part of businesses that do these kind of things, but I would say for any capitalist out there that's running like coffee companies or cacao companies, banana companies, if you're not doing these things and how with how transparent everything is, whether it's a media transmission or it's news or whatever, you're not going to be in business very long if you don't yeah, you, do these People are going to start choosing. When they have the option, Definitely. they're going to start choosing, hey, what do I really want to be a part of? What do I support more? Which I Definitely. love. Definitely. Definitely. Which brings I, me I up think... to a question. I know you guys treat your workers very well. Are you guys implementing any type of for-purpose type of structure or... Yep. We do things with, we obviously get certified with things like Rainforest Alliance, cafe practices from Starbucks. More importantly than the certifications is kind of like the impact initiatives that we do. We found certain certifications, frankly, are are quite false. They don't actually mean anything. They're more, you pay a fee. It's like a pay to play type thing that we don't really want to be involved with those kind of certifications. You see it a lot in coffee. You see it a lot in cacao and chocolate and we don't really do those things. So the things that we really focus on, I would say, is kind of employee development and proper pay, financial inclusion, which is the financial inclusion is what I represented previously, but also education. Like we're we're very big into employee education. So also we need to like there's fewer and fewer Colombians involved in the coffee industry every year. So most people that have let's say you come from a middle class family, the last thing you want to do is is work in coffee. Because everyone thinks of coffee as, you know, you only go and pick beans. You don't have to have a third grade education or whatever. But that's actually not true. You know, a lot of our business now is really run by engineers. Our CEO and our CRO are both agro engineers, industrial engineers. We prepare and we've created all of our infrastructure from scratch because it doesn't exist globally. So if you were to come see our processing facilities in Salgar, Colombia, we were the first ones in the world to implement this technology because we literally had to import it from all over the world to create the world's best central processing facility. And we have it at our our company. It's the best processing facility globally for wet mill for taking coffee cherry and getting the seed out of it, which is coffee. So a lot of things about promoting, especially working within coffee organizations and showing how to become management figures is something that we focus heavily on. It's not about just running people out to death to do manual labor jobs from the time they're 18 to the time they can retire when they're 62. You know, you need to develop how people work within organizations and grow your skills. And frankly, by the, you know, the impact initiatives that we do, the financial salaries and packages we can provide. We have access to the best, you know, agricultural teams in Colombia. I would say the guys that work within our firm, within coffee, they're the best and the brightest of of the coffee industry, which is 
great from a capitalistic point of view. And it's great from being around people that are passionate and exciting about what we do every day. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And just like you were mentioning before, it's like others out there that would assume or possibly even hire somebody that isn't well educated in the space. Like, sure, you might be able to get by for a certain time period, but you're not going to produce and really systemize this and be able to grow something for the long future, like somebody that's been there and done it and well educated on it and certified with it. You know, it doesn't make sense otherwise. That's right. I I would call it the equivalent of like doing a trade where you get lucky one time and you say, look, I sold this one. I flipped this house and I made a good amount of profit. Whereas, you know, I'm not trying to do flips. I'm trying to build enterprises, right? So you want to, you want to grow. I'm not interested in making a hundred thousand dollars on a flip. I'm interested in building businesses that are worth, you know, upwards of 500, $600 million. That's what we're looking to do. That's so good. I love it. Talk to me about the problems that go on within the business and something that like comes to mind when, it, you know, we always hear, I think just ignorant Americans or myself probably just in general thinking about like <laughs> Colombia or like, you know, drug related stuff or, you know, gangs or anything down there. Is there issues that you guys need to worry about or be mindful sure. of? Sure. I would say, you know, American news is far more... Uh, aggressive towards Colombia than is the reality. You know, American we, news we, is fake news. So let's just, you know, cut to the chase. Yeah. A lot of it's BS in general. Definitely. I mean, what, what, what you'd see if you came down to Colombia and spent some time, it's a great place to be. You know, it doesn't have all the terrible attributes that you would see on, you know, I think one of the worst things that probably came out, even though I love the show is Narcos, you know, when it came out on Netflix, everyone thinks that's how everyone lives in Colombia day to day. That's just not the case, you know, and I was surprised when I first came here, you know, I came down here, my brother's wedding, I was living in Hong Kong, came down here, I don't know what I was expecting to see, but I remember coming to Medellin and I was like, man, this city is way too developed. Like it's way too, like the middle of Medellin, where we are right now, kind of area called Poblado. I mean, it really is a developed city. Now, I would say Colombia as a whole, you know, if you look at it macroeconomically, it is an area where you'd say, you know, areas like Poblado, where we are today, it's developed world. You know, now when you go out to townships and whatnot, now you're in developing world. You could even see it's a mixture of everything you'd say if you use the terminology like frontier market, developing market and developed market. All of them actually exist within Colombia today. So I think one of the things to think about where when I say like problems versus, you know, let's say how people attribute the macro risk or anything is really perception. One is like for guys that invest in Latin America every day, I would say Colombia is by far one of the safest markets in the region. Um, And getting over that, I'd say, especially for, let's say some of your viewers are looking to raise capital, especially in Latin America, you know, getting over the perception of American investors in Colombia oftentimes is the most difficult to move investors forward or move, move things forward. As far as actual running of the business, you'd have the traditional business risk, you know, things like for guys who are, let's say real estate guys are looking to get into ag, you know, you can't always control production volumes. You know, if you're doing outdoor grows and you're not doing hydro grows, like indoor controlled grows, if you're doing hydro grows, you can get your production volumes to say, I'm going to bring this much within this much standard deviation of risk. You know, in places like Colombia, you're doing soybean in Argentina or you're doing cattle in the south of Brazil, wherever, you know, to get your yields to an appropriate amount, you need to have a wider range. 
I would say from any ag business, which is, this isn't specific to us, but really in ag in general, the best way to buffer out that risk is have a lot of working capital on hand and have a lot yeah. of smart guys around you. Yeah. You know, I think that one of the most difficult things about operating Latin America is being able to identify and maintain the best in class talent. Right. So people think when you come down to Latin America, a place like Colombia, that salaries are much cheaper that you say, OK, well, I can just run my American business from Colombia and it's not going to cost me anything. In reality, labor pools that are very sophisticated are global these days. So you're going to be playing global salaries for your best and brightest. And you still pay things like stock options and you still pay things like make them partners in a company and whatnot. And getting over that mindset and thinking that, you know, developing markets, everything is cheap. You'll never get good talent and whatnot. And that's not the case. I mean, there's guys here within Columbia that run banks in Wall Street. There's guys that all went to Stanford. There's families here that all went to Harvard. But you have everything in between that as well. So I would say a lot of it is about understanding how the markets really work is one of the most challenging things. One is you got to show up and understand how things work. And then for guys who are Invest, looking for investment or you know, getting people comfortable with the business model, a lot of it is educational based and saying, this is how things work because of my experience here and my team. And let me explain to you why it works this way. Mm, that's good. I love it. When it comes down to raising the capital in the past, is that your department or is there other people that, that take that on? That's what, what, what does that look like? That's Legacy Group's department. That's been my partner, myself, and the uh, director of investor relations of our okay. team called Josh. Yeah, so we raise we raise all the capital for the company. We syndicate all the capital, both equity. We're, we're looking at potentially doing a large debt round here for as, as portion to the Series C. I will be in charge with raising that as well. Now, obviously, we work alongside management for management projections, and they participate on calls. But you know that is the key focus of our team, the asset manager. Okay. I love it. Is there any, I guess, tips or tricks that you would give along the way um, with, uh, I, obviously you guys have been pretty good at raising capital thus far. Sure. Sure. I would, I would say identify your niche early of who you're going after. Things like, you know, I love some of the, the programs that are coming out, the online raisings, whether you're doing Reg Ds or you're doing CFs. But when we see them, the, the scale really isn't there to make it interesting. I think for you know early stage, if you're doing venture back companies, some of those that only need a million or two million dollars, you know some of those online platforms for crowdfunding and whatnot can be interesting. Fees are high, but and you know you're going to have a bunch of you know decentralized investors. Hopefully, they don't they don't have voting shares, and it's going to be difficult. But I would say you know, have a specific value proposition. And also I like the idea of having a niche and being best in class in that niche. You know, yeah. for us, we have kind of advantage because there is no other coffee like GP here in Colombia that would that would pitch out to, to my investors in America. There is nothing. Unless you're talking to the CEO of Starbucks and say, I want private exposure to Starbucks outside of public market securities, you really can't get into that coffee space. Yeah. So I, I like being the only one who can offer our securities. And the other is, you know, what I'm seeing from a lot of high net worth, you could call them, high, let's say high end retail, high net worth clients, is they want more security all the way through the understanding of to exit. You know, they're very, very sophisticated. I think 
gone are the days where people, especially let's say in venture world, you're seeing all these tech companies just go, just getting crushed on public market these days. A lot of people are just making valuations out of thin air. I think a lot of the high net worth investors want to know exactly what the value prop is and what they're going to get out of it. You know, you need to have, you don't have to have an investment banking background, but you better be pretty good with numbers and be able to walk through simple assumptions and say, this is what I think is going to happen year by year. This is why I think it's going to happen. And even if something obscure or something I didn't expect happens, here's the management team around me that can make it work no matter what. So I'm seeing more and more high net worth investors who want to get into alternative assets. That's not just alternative assets. It's not just venture capital or things like I do. It's things like private real estate deals because they don't love the returns they're seeing on public REITs, for instance. They don't love what they're seeing in public markets. So if guys, are, especially your viewers, are looking at raising capital, you know, I see that high net worth individual, likely between a net worth a million to $20 million, they're heavily going after alternative assets and they're looking for things that are unique. Yeah, I like that. And you guys definitely have something unique being that you're one of the best and really uh, the only other option out there. It really does make definitely. sense. And, uh, and I'm sure your background in the financial space has been a big deal of uh, just solidification of, hey, this is a good, good background to trust. Absolutely. It helps. It definitely helps. And also the management team around us, if I was to put them on this call, I guarantee you'd be impressed. Yeah, yeah. I would like to hear about the metaverse for just a moment and what you guys sure. are playing around in that atmosphere. And then afterwards, just kind of hear what the plans are for the future with the companies. Sure. So I'll give you the background of the three partners that, that started. I met them, you know, to the end of 2019. One of the ones that's just incredibly talented guys. And they had an idea. Basically, they were starting in, in like character design, where you basically like 3D print models for sale of, let's say, the um, like trophy assets that you'd see, like a Batman asset and whatnot. But these guys are all high-end software engineers. They're high-end artists, both from concept artist point of view, all the way to 3D modeling and development. Where they've kind of grown up, you know, they've created their own academy for training and development in the digital arts video game space. And what they do really within the metaverse is they have, one, they've had a lot of people reach out to them lately about NFT design. Sure. Uh, people love NFTs, they, you know, and these guys are creating the art behind some of their NFTs. So it's more of a, a contracting type gig where they do really high end art. And in other, in other areas are, are video game designs, mainly for metaverse video games. So yeah. things that the NFTs obviously become the, the tradable assets that we can utilize within the games, right? So yeah. holistic games, big boy budgets. I would estimate they're probably the most sophisticated in Colombia today. Really what their goal is to create the most sophisticated BFX operation here in Latin America. They really wow. want to, nowadays they're competing up against bids of the firms that operate out of Los Angeles and Montreal, which they see as the biggest competitors. And right now, I mean, they're fairly famous within Colombia. As soon as a couple of these games launch, they'll be yeah. famous globally. You Worldwide. Know, I think they have about three games that are in production now that will be globally known. All clients, really their, their primary client base is all US. They have a UK-based client, US-based client, international clients with real budgets to make special things. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, with where crypto is going and uh, just the NFT space and metaverse and everything else, there's a lot of new, exciting stuff, especially for investors to jump in sooner than later. 
uh, with all these huge companies. All the big companies are already into metaverse and getting started Mm -hmm. and really playing around with this. So it's leaving some clues, right, that uh, we should all be mindful of. And not enough people are really even seeing this yet, but it it will be game changing in in the near future. Definitely. And especially, especially for, let's say, your listeners who are looking at new opportunities for jobs, let's say, you know, a lot of people get out of university, especially the United States, they they don't, they don't know where they're going to go work, you know, they're finding it hard in the market. Literally, this is an industry where you can basically name your price. You know, these guys, even down here in Columbia, you're talking about can be six figure USD salaries to work within this space. You know, it's super exciting industry to be working within. And there's an ever needed capital or a labor pool necessary to move forward while these companies are trying to do. If just one, let's say Epic Games or just Amazon could get their goals met with how much, how much they want to compete in this metaverse space, yeah. they're going to need so many programmers and so many people to be part of the process. It's absolutely mind blowing, mm-hmm. mind blowing in, yeah. in the, the salaries and benefits and whatnot that'll be available for this pool of talent is huge. Yeah. Um, so I think I agree with you that investors, there's a lot of things to be looking at, not only in, you know, investing in individual cryptos or investing in individual NFTs, I think what you're going to see is a lot of grouping, like small video game units just getting swallowed whole by these large corporate acquisitions, because frankly, they'll pay for it just because they need the human talent. You know, the human talent itself will justify these massive valuations. And it's going to be a very exciting time to be part of this industry, I would say, over the next decade. There's just so much capital being thrown at it, so much talent being thrown at it. There'd be a lot of naysayers that say, you know, NFTs are worth nothing, crypto's yeah. worth nothing. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of real money being thrown out right now. So yeah. interesting. From, from high level players and the rest of the world is doing the same. So it's like, it, it will take over like bottom line and uh, it, it will be really mind blowing. There's going to be more than enough money to go around. So like you said, the, the big and the need will be there. So the talent will get compensated well to just be available for it. So um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be mind blowing to see what that looks like. Definitely. I mean, like simple developments like movie production. You know, we've done some movie shorts here, actually in the offices right outside where I'm sitting. And, you know, the old version of the green screen used to be a pre-recorded video where you put, you know, pretty faces in front of it. You do your acting. You can make acting more efficient. Well, it's gone beyond that now. You know, the the green screen now is a pre-made video game where a director can say, I don't like that tree. That tree is too green. I want it to be blue. I want this sky. I don't like the blue sky. I want it to be red. Well, if you have a pre-recorded green screen, you can be the most famous director in the world. You can't change it in real time. With video games, you can. So things that you would never expect, you say, you know, a lot of people will say, video games are just for kids born after 1993. They're not going anywhere. Video game development is becoming a core, like must have skill in so many areas of the digital world. It's crazy. And you were getting interest from companies that you would never expect, whether it's, you know, people who run lotteries uh, internationally and say, look, I know if I don't get a younger audience for running lotteries, you know, our average age of our client is 72 years old. So our clients are literally dying off. 
I need yeah. esports, right? I need an esports metaverse where I can get a younger client base to participate in government lotteries. That's one that me personally, I would have never expected until people started approaching the portfolio company, sure. right? There's so many areas where this level of talent is becoming more and more valuable. And frankly, in areas like Columbia, I'm seeing salaries of these software engineers, you oh, know, sure. conceptual artists who could not be happier just being able to design their own conceptual art from scratch, getting paid, you know, 10 times what their parents make. And the kids yeah. are 25 years old. They couldn't be happier. I mean, that's that's a real that's like a lawyer salary here in Colombia. But the reason why they're able to justify that is because the international market is so strong, just pulling for that demand and that need for digital assets. I, I got some good friends right now that are throwing 10, 20, 30 grand at some young kids that are like 13 years old to code mm-hmm. um, in the metaverse that they just bought land and they're, you know, making these buildings and everything over the next Definitely. couple of months. And, and it's just, it's, it's mind blowing, but it's happening right now. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And some of the games, like, like to me, my background in accounting and finance, I can go sit next to these conceptual artists and I'll see them creating land assets in real time. Here, some of their partners have already sold land assets. It's funny because they've pre-sold land assets in some of the metaverse games that I literally can go and see the 3D designers and graphic arts building in real time, like yeah. building in real time, and it's already pre-sold. It's, yeah. it's very similar to a real estate project that says, sure. okay, I've got, I've got this sales office outside. This is how great the building's going to look in the future. And here's your asset. And these guys, but these guys are paying 100% up front. They say, I just yeah. want to secure my position. Yeah. And the capital there is, I mean, you're talking about hundreds and I mean, you're into the millions of dollars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where guys it's are like, like astronomical numbers that you, you would be shocked to start to see. And you're like, wow, like people are paying this stuff for something that's digital. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the amount of capital flowing into this is is wild. And, you know, and we're we're a small firm out of Columbia. You know, yeah. when some of these larger firms, I mean, you're talking about billions, billions and billions of dollars, real capital waves coming in. Yeah, no, it's powerful. Yeah. People need to be awakened on this stuff because it is going to be the future. So I'm glad that you guys are participating in it. It's very eye opening and, and awesome that we got to speak on it. Tell me, Cole, what does the future hold for you guys? You guys have a lot of awesome things going on. You're about to hit records this year, which is very exciting. And congratulations once again. But what does the future look like for the company? I think for us personally at Legacy Group, what we're trying to do, we want to develop both these firms. We want to develop Green Coffee Company. We want to develop Polygonis. I think we'll be going into a big Series C capital round here for Green Coffee. That'll just skyrocket us probably to five, six times our, our nearest competitor here in Colombia. And then at that force will be a global force. You know, Polygon is here. If they need capital, you know, we'll probably try to assist them along the way. But the great thing about them is they're profitable now and they have so much demand for product. Literally their limitation is find more software engineers, find more high-end concept artists or whatnot. You know, they have whole teams of people that they need and the contracts are already there. So I think, you know, for our point of view, we want to develop these two companies. If we come across, you know, in our, I'd say our daily travels of other companies we'd like to fund, you know, our typical approaches, my partner, myself will fund the company from the seed stage. Before we go out to our investment audience, we make sure it's kind of vetted along the way. If, you know, we, we typically don't take, you know, early stage money from our outside investors due to the, the riskier nature of really early stage investing in Colombia. 
but we'll always keep our eyes out for that. So I would say for investors looking at us, you know, there'll be a green coffee company raise coming up here. That'll be very exciting. And then potentially a Polygonus one here in the next 12 months. I love it. That's awesome. Well, Cole, thank you so much again for jumping in and tuning in with us today and just giving us the breakdown of your business and what you guys are up to. It's very motivational and, uh, and awesome to see what you've been able to build up over the years. How can people get a hold of you guys? People can check us out on www.legacy-group.co and all of our emails will be attached within. So if you want to check out what we're doing, easy see our, our webpage, or I'm sure we can post uh, my direct contact details with, with Brandon, if that would be yeah. easier. Yeah, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes as well for everybody. So you guys will, will be able to tune in and check out everything that Cole has to offer. So very exciting. Thank you so much once again for tuning in with us and being a part of the show today. Guys, if you want to get a hold of me, then you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments, otherwise Facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you need any credit repair done for your services, check out creditrepairmobile.com. Otherwise, if you're looking to really get the education and understand how the banks are judging you, how they are, how to play the game with credit and how to fix credit faster than anyone in the industry, build up massive lines of credit, several six figures, even seven figures in funding very quickly, and then being able to leverage it, purchasing properties or acquisitions, real estate, agriculture. There's so many different mm -hmm. things that you can really put the credit to work into just like the banks do. Uh, then check out creditcounselelite.com. That's www.creditcounselelite.com. And as always, Hit that subscribe button for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Greatly appreciate everyone tuning in. Once you hit that subscribe button, every Monday, you'll get the new notification when the new episode comes out. After listening to a few episodes, do me that favor of leaving that five-star review and greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in today. We'll see you on the next episode. Cole, appreciate you once again, man. Stay blessed. Thank you, Brandon. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.